Good morning, Story Family. I am so glad you're joining us today as we continue our series called Lover, which deals uh, with the romance between God and us. We have been uh, talking about the way in which God loves us and uh, the way he calls us to celebrate his goodness and his love. Today, we're talking about forgiveness. To be honest, forgiveness has been a very challenging topic for me in the past. First, because I've had trouble accepting that I am fully forgiven by God, but also because I've had trouble forgiving others in the way in which God calls me to forgive. Being under the constant influence of popular culture is something that affects us all. Popular culture tends to present forgiveness uh, through cliches or self-help sentimentalism. We hear phrases like forgive and forget or forgiveness is all about you, do it for you. And we lose track of what scripture teaches us about forgiveness. Another thing that keeps us from forgiving others is that we hold on to grudges and that we seek revenge. Sadly, a lot of the times we're led in that direction by our own family and friends. The other day, I watched a documentary about this very thing. The documentary was about the life of a woman named Eva Kaur. She was a Holocaust survivor who one day made the decision to forgive an enemy. His name is, was Oskar Gronig and was known as the bookkeeper of Auschwitz. He was complicit in the death of over 300,000 Jews during the Holocaust. But most of all, he was complicit in the death of Eva's own parents. Her decision to forgive Oscar and to allow him to embrace her during a public hearing created lots of controversy. A reporter that was covering the story wrote this about that event. Forgiveness is hotly contested territory, contentious, risky, messy, misunderstood, and potentially divisive. While it is most certainly a transformative and powerful route to healing, capable of restoring broken relationships and rebuilding fragmented communities, it can also tear families apart, pitting victims and survivors against each other. And I couldn't agree more. Eva's decision to forgive Oscar was taken as a deep betrayal by her Jewish community. A lot of her friends and family, including her own husband, criticized her for the decision. And a lot of them ostracized her because of that. I know each of us has a story of forgiveness to tell. I know each of us has experienced the deep pain and divisiveness that comes whenever we attempt to forgive others. And that's especially true whenever we don't feel vindicated, when we feel betrayed, and when we feel that the person that has betrayed us is not really apologizing. What complicates things for us followers of Christ is that God doesn't really give us an option when it comes to forgiveness. God tells us that forgiveness is an integral part of our walk with him. That forgiveness is the one thing that has the power of unleashing the power of the gospel over our lives. If we allow scripture to guide our understanding of forgiveness, we'll discover that there are two key components to forgiveness. The first one is accepting the forgiveness that has already been granted by God. And the second one is our ability 
to forgive others in the way in which God forgives us. God is not asking us to forgive others through our own abilities. He's simply asking us to, to extend the mercy he has already given us to others. During this series, we have been studying several different parables. And today I want us to continue our conversation about forgiveness with the parable of the prodigal son. Most of us have heard the story of the prodigal son. One day, he decided that he was done being in his father's house and living under the father's rules and that he's going, he's asking for his part of the inheritance and going to uh, start his own life. While he's away, he loses the entire inheritance in worldly pleasures. And one day while he finds himself tending to pigs at a farmer's uh, house, he decides to try to go back home because he had it so much better in his father's house. That's where we're picking up today in Luke chapter 15, verse 18. He says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am not, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So we, he went up to his father. But while he was away, Oh, he was still a long way off. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Ever since I became a mom, I have been amused by this story of the prodigal son. I guess it's because it, speaks to me about, about my own uh, inability to forgive some people. The miracle in this parable is that forgiveness has already been granted to the son. Even before he desired it, even before he wanted it, God had already forgiven him. There's a reason the father is ready to throw a party the minute he sees the son coming back home. I don't know about you, but the last thing that would be on my mind if my son did something like that would be throwing a party for him. As you can see, I'm a Hispanic mom. And my children even now know that if they did something of the sort, they would need to be prepared for a very passionate and long lecture with heavy doses of guilt. It would take me a long, long time to forgive my child for sabotaging his or her future, for wasting so much money, and for shaming our family in that way. Similar to any other earthly parent that I know of, I would feel that I need to discipline my child first. And I would want my child to work very hard to get out of the mess that they created. So much would need to happen before I could even pronounce the words party or celebration or gifts. So what's up with God? Why does he behave that, that way towards the son? One of the main reasons is that 
The father understands what's underneath the surface. The father understands that the son is afflicted by a condition called sin and that he cannot overcome sin alone. The father understands that the son needs him more than ever before. So he sees the son with great mercy and he's ready to embrace him and he's ready to help. But Jesus tells us that we are all the prodigals in this story. That we're all prodigals. In the same, and the same applies to us. None of us can overcome sin alone. We all need the mercy that God extends to us through forgiveness in order to overcome it. We all need the redemption that he freely offers us through Jesus. That is the reason that Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, verses 20 to 23. When you were slaves of sin, you didn't have to please God. But what good did you receive from the things that you did? All you have to show for them is shame. And they lead to death. Now you have been set free from sin and you are God's servants. This will make you holy and will lead you to eternal life. Sin pays off with death. But God's gift is eternal life given by Jesus Christ, our Lord. We know and understand God's mercy through one very simple fact. That while we were still sinners, Christ chose to die for us. God didn't wait until we were good or righteous before he extended his mercy and his love to us. Christ died for us before we even knew that we wanted it or needed it. And he died for all of us with absolutely no exceptions. Whenever we accept this amazing mercy from God, our eyes are also open to God's justice. We realize that we are not allowed to put ourselves in a self-righteous place and everybody below us. We're no longer able to say that we're faultless and everybody else is guilty. We realize that God is not inviting any of us to reign and to judge alongside him. He doesn't invite us to do that. He invites us to be his children and to trust in him. But the more that you fall in love with God, the more that you understand his amazing mercy, the more that you will come to trust in his justice. The more you, re you will realize that justice will be made in this life or next. So that frees us to no longer hold grudges, to no longer seek revenge. It allows us to trust that we are in God's hands just as the people who hurt us. That's one of the reasons that, that Paul encourages people to not seek revenge but to trust that vengeance is God's. Christianity Today magazine posted a powerful story about Reverend Anthony Thompson, who lost his wife, Myra Thompson, during the Charleston massacre. One evening while she was attending a Bible study at Emmanuel Bible Church, Dylan Roof, a white supremacist, decided to storm inside the church and to kill nine people and wound several others. When Reverend Thompson was asked to attend the bail hearing for um, Dylan, he was sure that he did not have anything to say to him. But God had a different idea. And he whispered to Reverend Thompson, 
that he wanted him to forgive Dylan. This is how he recalls the events of that day. He said, God, whatever you have to say, you better say it because I don't have anything to say. So come on, don't embarrass me up here. He reminded me that I was his child, that Dylan was his child, and that I was a sinner just like Dylan. And I'm saying to myself, you got to be kidding. I'm not going to tell people I'm a sinner. If that's what you want me to say, I'm going to sit down. But God just kept on coming. And so by the time I got to the podium, I'm thinking, yes, you know, I am a sinner just like Dylan. And I should be able to forgive him just like God forgave me. And so I said, son, I forgive you and my family forgives you. But Reverend Thompson didn't stop at that. He continued to send letters to Dylan in prison, asking him for a visit and to come and pray with him. Unfortunately, Dylan never accepted. By sharing this story, I don't mean to imply that I fully understand what Reverend Thompson went through. I have never had to sit at a bail hearing, staring in the eyes of the person who killed my own spouse. But I do know one thing, that the same God who called Reverend Thompson to forgive Dylan is the same God that I love and that I serve. And I know that this God will empower me and will empower you during our time of greatest need. Even now, God has called me to forgive some people that I never thought myself capable of forgiving. He has asked me to not rely on my own capacity to forgive, which is so limited, but to trust in his mercy, to extend his mercy to those who need forgiveness the most, to forgive as I'm forgiven. He has also asked me to trust in his justice. Forgiveness has freed me from so much resentment and so much hate. Forgiveness has allowed me to live life to the fullest. Forgiveness has allowed me to love others better. And forgiveness, most of all, has helped me to fall deeper in love with God. I pray today that God breaks through the walls of resentment, of dislike, of hate that he has built all around you. And that he reminds you and that he reminds us all that we're all prodigals in desperate need of his forgiveness, of his mercy. Every time we turn on the news nowadays, we realize how much the world needs his mercy and his forgiveness. I hope that you will offer this to the people that need it the most. Remember that we don't forgive others through our own strength. We don't forgive others out of our own capacity to forgive. We forgive them by extending the mercy that God has already given us. Please join me in a time of prayer for repentance and forgiveness. God, we come before you humbling ourselves, realizing that we're not called to rule or judge next to you, but to be your children, to love you and to trust you, to obey you in everything. It is so hard to obey your call to forgive others. 
So I pray today that you will strengthen us during our time of greatest need, Father, that your spirit will empower us to forgive. Help us to extend your mercy to the people in our lives who need it the most. I pray that you open your, our eyes today to your mercy, Father, to your justice, and that you lead us towards your grace. We pray all these things in your precious name. Amen.